here's a message from Ken Lavica. Oh, let's go back to Friday when we were all basking in the glory of one of the rare Major League Baseball successes, the Field of Dreams game. The White Sox and the Yankees put on a show when we discussed Friday. Hey, Major League Baseball, don't ruin it, but guess what they did? The Cubs, of course, the Cubs are coming to play in next year's game. A team that as many times as I try to put them in my rearview mirror, they're always there in my head, and I'm going insane. Joe Rigotti hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I can't believe this was so predictable. It was so damned predictable. Of course the Cubs, everyone's favorite loser franchise, has to be a part of next year's Field of Dreams game, and Major League Baseball has immediately tarnished something that was good that they did organically because the Cubs... Of course they're here to keep ruining my life. Ken Levick alive featuring Coquel. We've made it to Wednesday here on ESPN 106.3 for ESPN app and on your smart speaker. And a John Levine Accident Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach right off of the mostly sunny and sparkly today Intracoastal. Joe Rigotti, he is with me in West Palm. He is pushing buttons. He is running things. It's much smoother when uh, Captain Competence is here. Uh, the antithesis of that is is the man who continues to be quarantined in his garage with COVID-19. It is Coquel. How are you feeling, buddy? I'm doing good. I got a little COVID back pain, which could just be fat pain. Trying I was going to say, can, go I don't think you can blame your back pain on COVID. Uh, like we, we can't, all of your aches and pains can't be, uh, can't be associated to COVID. Okay. Don't I, do that. I went for a nice little power, fat man power walk today, and I came back and I told my wife, oh, man, I was really out of breath. And she just looked at me like, yeah, and? (laughs) How is that any different from when you didn't have COVID? From when you go to the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Coquel. I feel so bad laughing at you, but not that bad. I need to to vent for a second. Um, Okay. So, Coquel, you remember on Friday when nope. we were no, 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 no. We we had a great conversation. I think. Uh, I mean, I was obviously I was at home because I was watching my kids because daycare was closed. Thanks, daycare. Uh, but we we were able to uh, amongst my daughter complaining about bubbles spilling all over the place and you suffering uh, cold sweats and fever from COVID. We had a pretty good Field of Dreams game discussion, and you recall how excited I was. Not only because the White Sox beat the Yankees, Tim Anderson, the walk off like the visuals of that were striking it was exciting me as a White Sox fan I adored it I loved it but one of the main things one of the main points we made was hey Rob Manfred you have something good don't jack this up so sure enough first uh, reported by NBC Sports Chicago what do we find out early yesterday that none of the participants of this past year's game, the two teams that actually are a part of the Field of Dreams movie, are coming back. Instead, we have to cater 
to the loser franchise who just a month ago sold all of their players because they can't win. They have a terrible clubhouse culture. They have one of the worst ownerships in all of professional sports. But because they're cute and cuddly and because everybody loves them, the Chicago Cubs are a part of the game next year. Next August, it'll be the Cubs and the Reds in the Field of Dreams game. It took four days for Major League Baseball to publicly screw up the Field of Dreams game. And it makes it even more infuriating because it is the damn Cubs. I grew up in Chicago, in suburban Chicago, as a guy who, as a White Sox fan, had the Cubs shoved down my throat every day of my life. Coquel, The Chicago Tribune, the most widely circulated newspaper in the Midwest, the entire Midwest, not just Chicago, but the Midwest owned the Chicago Cubs. So you know what that meant? Way more coverage of the Cubs than the White Sox. The fawning with the ivy and the, oh, Wrigley's so old and it's so cool. And, hey, we went to Wrigleyville and look at all the frat boys uh, over-consuming alcohol and peeing on yards. But it's part of the ambiance. It's the romance of the Cubs. That was every day of my evolving childhood. So here we are now. The White Sox couldn't even get Three full days of basking in glory from what they did on national television as a first-place team with an 11-game lead in the American League Central before the Cubs, the Cubs who are hurtling towards last place in the NL Central, who have no players any longer that anyone can name because they traded them. The Cubs... Sandberg? That is... That is... No. Uh, but that's But that's what, that's what Cubs fans do. Oh, but Ryan Sandberg. Oh, but Andre Dawson. Oh, but Mark Grace. They live in the past. And now, oh, boo-hoo, Anthony Rizzo got traded. Oh, Chris Bryan. Your glory days are done. You're a bad, nearly last place team now. If it wasn't for the Pirates, you'd be in last place. But even when they're bad, even when they suck, even when they're on the field irrelevant, the Cubs are there in my head making me think about them, and they live rent-free. And it drives me insane. The Cubs live rent-free all the time in my head to a point where the White Sox are legitimate World Series contenders this year, but I am constantly checking the scores as well to make sure that the Cubs are maintaining their 11-game losing streak, to make sure that they're still double-digit games back because I want pain. I want them to hurt. The Cubs live rent-free in my head, and I hate it, But I acknowledge it. So I want all of you to get vulnerable today. I want all of you, let's have a therapy session. This is for all of you because I'm not the only one who has his attention diverted by a team that I don't root for. I have a chip on my shoulder over the Cubs. They are in my head rent free. Let's get vulnerable. Let's chat. Which team or player lives rent free in your head? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Which team or player lives rent-free in your head? For me, it's the Cubs, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and you can tweet at us, at ESPN West Palm. 
I don't think I'm abnormal with this, Coquel, but this was so predictable that they were going to, I almost said it Friday, that I bet you the Cubs get invited next year because it's the Cubs, because they're so cuddly, because uh, everybody loves that stupid Red Sea. I, I cannot stand that franchise. I cannot stand the fans of that franchise, and I can't stand that even when they're bad, even when they suck, even when they're embarrassing, they get privilege. There's no reason for it. And it's maddening. I knew this was going to happen, and I almost told you Friday that the Cubs were going to be invited, and sure enough, here we are. It's weird that you let a second-rate team from a second-rate city live rent-free. You don't need to knock the city. They might as well just, they should just play the Mets. If you're going to do that, they might as well have played the Mets during that game. Just go the second team in each of the cities and let them battle it out. <laughs> the the inferior clubs. Uh, I mean, I can acknowledge the White Sox are from a a, a standing standpoint, not not a, a, a standings like first place, second place, but a where they stand within the fabric of the city of Chicago. I can accept that the White Sox are always going to be the second team, okay? But that doesn't mean that the one good thing that Major League Baseball has done in the last decade, the Field of Dreams game, where the White Sox finally got some shine, able to break out from that Cubs cloud, uh, that doesn't mean that the Cubs then need to be shoved down our throats. I spent a lifetime with the Cubs being shoved down my throat, and here we are, I'm 37 years old, and it's still happening just days after the, the 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 White Sox were able to shine brightly on a national and an international stage. Which team or player lives rent-free in your head? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I'm being very selfish just going off here on the Cubs. What yeah. about you, Coquel? Also, I care Cu- about you. Why do the Cubs get a home game? I mean, it's basically a home game. They already play in a dirt hole, and they play with a place with all plants climbing on the wall. Wrigley is a dump, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, I agree. Abs- I, I, I saw Pearl Jam there. On, I was yeah. on the, the only cool part was no, I was on the field. It's a bad ballpark. It's, it's a bad it's a ballpark. Dump. Yeah, it's, and it, underneath that wall and that ivy smells like pee. Mm-hmm. The entire thing. The it's entire terrible. The entire stadium smells like urine. What, what Coquel says is not incorrect. It is a urine smell infested hellhole. Oh, but it's so old and it's charming. No, 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 no. A couple of years ago, there was concrete falling on people's heads on the concourses at Wrigley Field. Okay? The, the, the place is wildly overrated. What about you, though? What team or player? Because I think there are some fans that aren't necessarily aligned with a team. They're more player-based, where individual players live in their head. What about you, Coach? I'm, I'm going to go coach, though. Is that allowed? Oh, yeah, Can yeah, yeah. Coach? coach is fine. That's fine. Okay, because it would have been, if you asked me 15 months ago, it would have been Tom Brady, but now I actually love the guy. I think he's hysterical. That's so weird. He, he was total heel your entire adult life, and then all of a sudden now he's a baby face for you, and I've gone through the exact same thing. It's so weird. Like I root for him now actively, mm-hmm. and I don't even care that he's using experimental drugs from his trainer. I mean, whatever, allegedly. I say give him more experimental yeah. drugs. I mean, that picture with him and Dungey, it's going to be funny when it all pays off at the end. But, <laughs> um, uh, Belichick and the Patriots. Like No matter what that guy does, it drives me with his fake sweatshirts, the, the sleeves ripped off, pretending like he just grabbed it out of nowhere <laughs> as if he didn't have someone cut it and hang it for him in the morning. Like, get out of here. You have all the gear in the world, and you just happen to pull that one 
one out because you just don't care? No, you care so much about your image. You do the same thing and you talk like this. On to next week. Yeah, that's all an act. Oh, get, uh, so, get out of here. I know that there are there are some that want to praise Belichick and he doesn't give anything up and he's standoffish and he mumbles. That's an act. That's not how Bill Belichick actually is. Speak with anybody who spends time with Belichick off the field, and he has a personality. I and he hysterical. puts himself out there. And he's, you're right. He has a huge sense of humor. All that stuff is an act. That's not genuine. Oh, it drives me absolutely. Every time I even just see his face and him pretending to say those things, it just it gets me so mad. And then, like, there was a time period where I wanted to fight Evan Cohen five to six, who you can hear every day, because of his Belichick love. Like, I literally would listen in because he's a great radio host, and I would listen. This is back when I was a fan, and I would and not a, on the station, and I would listen every day and be like, I want to fight you. And you would just I love see your red. show, but yeah. I want to fight you because yeah. of your Belichick love. Well, it's so, and it's, I might get beat up, and I don't care because Evan's bigger than people think he is. Evan's he is, he is a large dude. And, uh, you know, if I get beat up in the name of fighting against Belichick, I'm all for it. Yeah, Belichick lives rent-free in Coquel's head. The Cubs live rent-free in my head. It makes me angry. I should be – the White Sox have as many championships as the Cubs do in the last 100 years, okay? Uh, the White Sox, when I was growing up, they were largely much more successful than the Cubs were. But – the, the 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 Cubs were always there in front of me, taunting me. Always there in front of me with their really annoying fans, making my life bears? miserable. I I I, I also hate baby bears. You're and you right. see baby bears. Do you get angry? I, I do. I do. It's just a visceral reaction. Um, but uh, this is this is the absolute truth. Before the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, arguably the greatest sports moment of my life was Bartman. And I'm not even joking. I celebrated game six of the 2003 NLCS. Marlins, Cubs, Bartman, the collapse, the eventual Marlins win in game seven at Wrigley. I celebrated that like I celebrated any of the Bulls championships growing up in Chicago. That that makes sense, though, because I think part of the allure, besides them just being awesome and on cocaine the whole time, of the 86 Mets was that they beat the Red Sox and the ball going through Buckner's legs was one of my favorite childhood memories. Does that make us bad people? I think it explains a lot about this show. <laughs> Probably. That's actually a really, really salient point. Uh, what team or player lives rent-free in your head? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's head to Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Lane tweets, Alan Houston. Heat fans, I assure you, Lane is not alone when it comes to Alan Houston living rent-free in their head. I understand that, but he was the definition of a heat killer. Before the Heat were winning championships, Alan Houston was the Grim Reaper of Heat basketball. And Heat fans still, I'm sure, wake up in a cold sweat one bounce off the rim, two bounces off the rim, in, game over, season over, playoffs over. Yeah, oh, fist pump. beautiful. Exactly. Oh, it's amazing. Yep. Oh, you Heat fans, you jealous Florida people, just jealous of New York. You're jealous of Jet fans. Well, You're jealous of Nick fans. That, that brings me to this, because while the Cubs are the most rent-free in my head, as you can attest to, from a football standpoint, the Jets live most rent-free in my head. No matter what the Jets are or what they do, they're annoying. Zach Wilson, he's annoying. Oh, he's a gorgeous kid. 
He, oh, that, that's that's what makes him so annoying. I mean, is the headband it, or the the what is that bandana that he ties around his head? He looks uh, like Rambo. The he hair. doesn't get any he cooler does not than Rambo. Look like Rambo. Oh. There is nothing weathered and chiseled about Zach Wilson. Zach John he Rambo looks like Wilson. A, no, he looks like a porcelain uh, American girl doll. That's what he prax- looks like. The Jets are practicing with the Packers all week. I mean, I don't even know how people are going to be able to tell him and Aaron Rodgers apart. Did you see that preseason game? Basically the same player. All right. See, this is what makes me really annoyed and why the Jets live rent-free. It's because it dopes like Coquel. Um, but also, basketball-wise, the Knicks, who are not relevant in any way, shape, or form. Mm, they, they They won Walker. one home playoff game and celebrated like they had won the championship. They live rent-free in my head, and they haven't been anything for 15 years. And again, I spent my entire childhood 20. watching the Bulls Slap them around. Yeah, sorry, 20. Slap them <laughs> around and and just oh. deliver them heartbreak on a platter. Yet the Knicks, it's, I, I honestly think it has to do with the fans. And the Knicks did not live rent-free in my head until I moved to South Florida and moved to Palm Beach County because we are infested with you dopes. We are yeah, infested we're awesome. we're with you dopes. The Knicks, the Knicks, and Knicks fans are the ones that should have chip on shoulder over the Heat because the Heat have been so vastly, so much wildly more successful than the Knicks have been for anybody that... I mean, the Knicks were a four seed last year. I mean, they didn't get swept either. I'm just saying. I mean, I just want to put that out there. See, and this is what I'm talking about. Let's not not live in the past. This is what I'm talking about. Break out the brooms. Sweepity-doo-dah. We can bring that back if you want. Uh, By the way, I love that uh, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald was told that uh, the reason the Heat did not get a Christmas game this year by NBA spokespeople, the NBA uh, told Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald the Heat did not get a Christmas game because... Uh, they were bounced in the first round of the playoffs. But guess who did get America's team a Christmas game? The Knicks, where they're going to get beaten on Christmas and humiliated again by the Hawks. Or, or what? We're, what's going to happen? The Knicks will win on Christmas Day, and the fans will overturn cars and jump on cabs outside of Madison Square Garden like they did in the playoffs last year, even more unnecessarily. And the Lakers, okay, who got bounced I- out of the first round, they get a Christmas Day game as well. How do you know that Heat fans wouldn't have acted like that with a playoff win? Oh wait, you don't know because they got swept. That's right. Sorry. All right, oh, I'm, man. I'm old enough. Outside of the FTX, is that what it's called? FXT. FTX. FTX Arena. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm also uh, I'm also old enough to remember them winning three championships uh, since I moved here to South Florida. Which team or player lives I mean, rent free in your head? Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. What? Well, Frazier picture looks pretty good from their last title. Oh, I hate them. <laughs> yeah. yeah Coquel in his quarantine garage is staring right at a Walt Frazier picture again to remind him of their last Earl championship. Earl the Pearl, baby. Uh, Jeff Camp tweets, the Atlanta Braves live rent-free in my head. Through the years, it's been Chipper and Andrew Jones, Freddie Freeman, and now Acuna, always the antagonist in my sports fandom. The Jets are second. I was present for the Monday Night Miracle. I still get nauseous thinking about it. So it seems like yeah, yeah, Jeff is a Marlins fan and a Dolphins fan. And then Matt Gray. Uh, and isn't this just the signature of this market? Palm Beach County, Treasure Coast, where you always think something's weird until you see something that makes it more weird. He says the team that lives rent-free in his head is Northwestern football. Seriously, how are they good at any sport? And they always give the Wisconsin Badgers a stupid, hard, and ugly game. I hate and respect Pat Fitzgerald more than any other college coach. 
Boy, if we spread it around. That is strange. <laughs> oh, man. Someone just say Kansas State football next. Like, yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, oh, that, uh, that season with Michael Bishop drove me insane. Uh, Northwestern football. Yeah. I, I mean, wow. they're annoying, but again, I grew up around that, and I'm an Illinois fan, and uh, they've just kind of owned Illinois the last decade, and so that's probably on me for still following Illinois football. But I guess you do hold those those grudges, right? Because I still hate the Rockets, no matter what they do. Because, of, because they, of what they did to the Knicks? That was the only time I ever cried in sports as like a non-child. I was like 14, really? 13. Oh, over, yeah. bas- over, over that Knicks team? I was a diehard Starks fan. I, I didn't cry. You know when you're a kid and you just say, I'm just going to bed because you know you're going to cry? And you go sit in the room and like the yeah. tears kind of You have that inside. heavy feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because Starks went two for 18. <laughs> and it was just brutal. <laughs> And he was my favorite player of any sport of all time. And the Knicks lost the championship to them. And I'll hate the Rockets forever. You know what's funny? My kids could play for the Rockets, and I would still hate them. It will not come as any surprise to anybody listening, and especially to you, Coquel. I had many instances of sports-related crying when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not shocking to anybody. But one of the most notable ones is uh, the 93 finals when the Bulls lost at home in three overtimes to Phoenix. And like the whole city had just said hey the bulls are gonna win this is it this is over and they lost to force the game six and i was listening to it on the radio <laughs> and was crying in bed in the third overtime i picture oh, you crying man. on sunday when Tua tries to throw a deep pass i mean honestly it does not take me much to cry at all and when i was a kid uh, i'm pretty sure my father was embarrassed we used to go to white Sox <laughs> games random regular season white Sox games and when they lost i would just cry really yeah oh yeah oh, that's bad. <laughs> like I game, a- games in like june I felt really vulnerable telling that rocket story, but I feel a lot better about it right now. Uh, get vulnerable with this. Hey, I'm putting myself out there. Which team or player lives rent-free in your head? And were you a young sports crier? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And the Twitter's always open, at ESPN West Palm. So Coquel doesn't get mad at me. He is at Real. Twitter at Real Coach K. I am at KLV1063 on Twitter as well if you want to trash talk us separately from the show. Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. I get the impression that Dr. Jim Reardon, not much of a crier. He uh, is able to focus in, do his job, run that program, and find his students. Uh, jobs in the sports industry. That's what he says he's going to do. That's what he does do because there's acumen there. And he's been doing it for 22 years. Uh, Almost every week, I see a new instance of someone who has either been promoted in the sports industry, they're getting their first job in the sports industry. It's because they got their education with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. And too much in this world, we sit here and talk about metrics and oh does this make a difference and oh uh, what what does this mean and what are we doing here now, you, you want to know what the end game is how you judge if you're successful or not with the FAU MBA sport management program if the students are getting jobs in the sports industry and they do that's the metric that you look at the FAU MBA sport management program it does have uh, one of the best rankings as far as international goes with MBA sport management programs one of the best in the country one of the best in the world so yeah the tangible evidence is there but the most tangible evidence is the amount of students that go into the sports industry whether you're 22 years old and you just got your bachelor's or if you're 40 
40-something and want a career change, Dr. Jim Reardon has sent all of these people into the sports industry. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Again, check them out online, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Spring semester courses, sign up for them now on campus or remote. That's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. A couple of New York-based sports owners making some headlines for the wrong reasons. And it makes you wonder, what, what should be the role of an owner in sports? We'll talk about it next. He's Coke Cal. Joe Rigotti's hanging out. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken LaVica Live. Here's Ken LaVica and Chris Coquel. One sports owner in New York is sick of taunting on the NFL gridiron, and the other is trolling his baseball team in the middle of the season. The role of an owner, it's fascinating, and I think there's a discussion uh, worth having about it. Ken Levick alive featuring Coquel, Joe Rigotti running things uh, here with Coquel still in uh, COVID quarantine in his quarantine garage in Port St. Lucie. And uh, don't forget to check out our podcast, Ken Levick alive featuring Coquel podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, it is free. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And what you want to do is just subscribe to it. Get it right to your tablet, get it right to your phone, get it right to your device every single day. We'll have it gift-wrapped for you, because that's what we do. We're here for you. Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel Podcast, the free podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's um, start here with uh, John Mara, the owner of the New York Giants. Uh, The NFL is putting a vast emphasis on penalizing taunting this year. And we knew this was coming a number of days ago. John Mara, who's on the competition committee, he spoke about it yesterday. Uh, Here is old man John Mara sounding old yesterday in front of reporters. The uh, taunting emphasis, what were the conversations about that among you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's something we discuss every year in the competition committee. We we get kind of sick and tired of of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. We've tried to balance um the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun and there's always a fine line there but none of us like to see that and uh, it's just a question of whether you can have rules that can be enforced without taking the fun out of the game too but nobody wants to see a a player taunting another player i know i certainly don't and i think the rest of the members of the competition committee feel the same way too nobody wants to see another player taunt another player but, but he, he don't speak for me, John Merrick, because I, uh. I like to see players taunt other players. There's a separate discussion to be had off of that. Hold on, Coquel, because we are going to get to that. But that is John Mara, New York Giants owner, out in front of media, front and center, uh, saying that we're just sick and tired of players taunting players in the NFL. Then there is new Mets owner, Stephen Cohen. And he tweeted the following in the midst of his team, Coquel, uh, in uh, a, a pretty close to collapse mode right now. Uh, they didn't do much at the trade deadline. They did get Javier Baez, but they didn't really address any other needs. They have fallen to third in the NL East, and Steve Cohen tweeted the following. Again, this is the owner of the New York Mets. It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. That 
is Stephen Cohen trolling his own baseball team on Twitter as they start to melt down in the second half of the season. That's bold. That's, I like that. That is really bold. And so Coquel says that he likes that. And honestly, I'm, I, I kind of like it too. I like the owner that acts like the fan, but I also am conflicted because it does not seem like that would help the situation in any way, shape, or form. Oh, terribly unproductive, but so much fun for me and you. Oh, man. I mean, he basically said, hey, hitting coach, you stink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he also, he's basically saying, hey, front office, you're not doing your job. If I'm in the front office and I am seeing that tweet from Stephen Cohen, based on what I put together this season, I know that they've been working off an interim GM and uh, they had a lot of controversy with their, yeah, they had a lot of issues with the initial GM hire. Um, But I see that and I'm like, am I in trouble now? Like, am I not being asked back next year? And I see, uh, I'm a player and I see that and I'm actually annoyed. Like, I'm working my ass off to try and turn this thing around and uh, I've got the owner talking about my slugging and OPS numbers not being good enough. Like, again, that's a fan speaking. That dude, he, he signs the checks, he provides the money, he owns the team. Okay, but I I, I don't think that's productive. I don't think that helps the situation. No one's going to read that on the Mets in the Mets clubhouse and say, ah, here we go. That sparked us to success. So I don't know where the balance is there with team ownership. John Mara, that was annoying to me yesterday. If I'm a Giants fan, uh, we're sick and tired of no, the taunting. No, Giants fans love that. Uh, Giants fans are the oldest, crustiest, whitest group of fans <laughs> in the world. You know what I'm sick and tired of is hearing how great Daniel Jones is going to be. Maybe the Giants should focus on that and not necessarily who or who isn't being taunted on the field. That's why he's saying it, because he knows Daniel Jones is going to get taunted all year long <laughs> after throwing interceptions. You suck! <laughs> um, but but I, I, I think that there's a discussion worth having, because should an owner stay behind the scenes or be loud and visible? Should an owner stay behind the scenes or be loud and visible? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Because Coquel down here with the professional football franchise, Palm Beach's Stephen Ross, he largely stays out of the way. He made the massive mistake that one time of flirting with Jim Harbaugh, and we had to have that uncomfortable press conference in the Dolphins facility in Davie where they apologized to Tony Sperano, and Stephen Ross had to explain himself. And after that, he's just said, hey, I will sign the checks. I will put together social initiatives. I'll look out for my players, but I'll let the football people do the football stuff. Stephen Ross largely stays out of the way. Mickey Arison, he largely stays out of the way. But then there's Jerry Jones, who's doing weekly radio segments in Dallas. Uh, He is making in-season assessments. He's talking draft strategy. I I just, again, I appreciate that because you want transparency, but if it is not for the greater good, I don't know if it's actually beneficial in any way, shape, or form. Should an owner stay behind the scenes or be loud and visible? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776.
here's the thing. I think it depends on how the owner approached the job, right? When they got the job. You yeah. knew what Mark Cuban is. That's why other leagues won't let him buy teams. He wants to be out in front. Steve Cohen bought this team saying, I'm a fan and I want this toy and I want to see it to be good. Yeah. So this is who he's going to be. Well, it's interesting you bring up Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban never comes out and criticizes his team publicly, right? Like, he'll, he'll go crazy if he feels his team's been wronged. He'll talk about officiating. Uh, he'll, he'll be up front like that, but he never criticizes his team in public. Like, Jerry Jones will do that. Steve Cohen definitely <laughs> will do that. Uh, I just I don't know where the balance is and what the uh, correct approach is, and I'm going to be wishy-washy on this because I like that as a fan, but I don't think it helps the team at all. Not, I can't remember the last time an owner outside of Major League with the Cleveland Indians, an owner who is publicly uh, like criticizing the team, it ever sparking them to winning anything meaningful. It's only happened in the first Major League with that owner. Other than that, I cannot remember it. Also, his strategy wouldn't necessarily, strategies wouldn't fly to come back in 2021. Wait, what do you mean? The cardboard cutout. Oh, yeah, that would not be. Oh, could you imagine? I don't know if that clubhouse technique is going to work out. Could you imagine if we weren't in a pandemic and you walk into a baseball clubhouse and the female owner, they are are taking pieces of clothing, cardboard clothing off of her to reveal her in a bikini? That would not be received well in 2021. Should a team owner stay behind the scenes or be loud and visible? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Jerry is in West Palm. Jerry, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Jerry? Hello. Jerry, you're breaking up. <clears throat> hey, can you... There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep talking. I'm sure it'll work itself out. What do you, what do you got for us, Jerry? Um, Jerry, it did um, not clear up. Go ahead and call us back, okay? Go ahead and call us back. 888-760-3776. 888 888- 760-3776. Decided I would give that a go, Coquel, and uh, I, uh, I, I definitely uh, underestimated the, uh, the, the lack of good cell service that, uh, that Jerry was in. Uh, I want to ask you about the John Mara thing. If we could, Joe, Joe Rigotti, could we hear John Mara one more time from yesterday, Giants owner speaking about the taunting in the NFL? Here's, here's John Mara once again. The uh, taunting emphasis, what were the conversations about that among you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's something we discuss every year in the competition committee. We, we get kind of sick and tired of the, of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. We've tried to balance um, the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun, and there's always a fine line there, but none of us like to see that, and uh, it's just a question of whether you can have rules that can be enforced without taking the fun out of the game, too, but nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. I know I certainly don't, and I think the rest of the members of the competition committee feel the same way, too. I, I don't know where the majority of NFL fans fall on that. Nobody wants to see players taunting other players, but I have to imagine that that is a minority opinion, right? Like, that, there is know, no way. I go back home and I have relatives that'll be like, act like you've been there before. What does that even that mean? Thing. I hate that. But I hate that. But that's what you hear. You know, why does he have to celebrate? Just give the ball to the ref. Like, why, why does he have to celebrate? Because he just scored a touchdown. Right. That's why he has to celebrate. You are playing a sport where you are running a million miles an hour and hitting someone. You're establishing dominance. This is an alpha sport. 
It is kill or be killed. And I'm trying not to go to the extremes of comparing it to war and battle and all of that. But this is a sport where you are taught, you go out there and you deliver the punishment or you are going to be the one punished. There is competitiveness involved in that. There is passion involved in that. There is testosterone involved in that. And so you mean to tell me in this sport, you're going to demand all of those things. You're going to ask all of those things. And then as soon as you establish your dominance, your way to vent that is talking to them, letting them know that you beat them. That's not allowed. Think about how little sense that makes. That's a natural reaction. Hey, chump, I beat your ass in a sport that demands that you be an alpha, that demands that you be the strongest person on that field. And as soon as you start taunting and establishing that dominance, it's, oh, just go play. Act like you've been there before. No, like human nature doesn't dictate that that's normal. It doesn't. No, and there was a flag this weekend of a running back who ran someone over, and all he did was turn and flex on his way around in a circle of flexing, right. and, and they threw a taunting flag. Right. Like that's, that's That just, is annoying. Are you sick of the taunting in the NFL like John Mara? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Uh, I, I got a, a, a tweet from Kent Jones, he is a football coach, apparently a high school football coach, uh, and he tweets, taunting's part of the game I could do without. But I responded, in a game that demands so much passion and competitiveness and alpha male stuff, how should that properly be channeled? And he replied, all that extra stuff doesn't have anything to do with passion, in my opinion. Just play. I don't think, like, I, I understand a coach saying that but that's such an old person take that is such an old person take i'm sorry if you can't go out there and you can't properly channel the fact that you beat the hell out of somebody like i don't want to watch that i don't want to watch that it also depends on the level he's talking about old kj may be talking about high school games and seven on sevens where guys are now doing backflips in each other's faces and that stuff annoys me too you know, it's different in high school, but these are professional athletes. These are adults. They yeah. can taunt a little more. And even in high school, I don't mind the taunt. You don't get in someone's face, but you can have fun and celebrate. Well, you know what sort of, and this might be a leap, and uh, I'll, I'll own it if it's a leap, but the taunting that John Merrim and the competition committee is speaking of, it really, when I hear that, my mind immediately goes to, oh, things are looking too thuggish out there on the field, Right? Like, isn't that a little bit of the... Yeah, because Tom Brady's fiery. He's not taunting anyone. Yeah, Tom Brady gets in receivers' faces, or he gets in DB's faces. He gets in defensive linemen' faces after plays. I've never seen a taunt... Yeah, I've never seen a taunting flag thrown against him. You know who I have seen taunting flags thrown against? Corners, receivers, positions that are largely played by black players. When you, Whenever, to me, whenever you hear someone talk about... Oh, on-field behavior. That is veiled language for, oh, things seem too thuggish out there. Like, that's a little dicey. When I hear John Mara say that, it seems like they're trying to target one specific type of player, 
right? Like that that is where my mind goes to. And I don't think that's too large a leap. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Should an owner stay behind the scenes or be loud and visible? And are you sick of NFL taunting? Joe is in Jupiter. What's up, Joe? You know, I got to call in when you mentioned my two favorite owners. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, they're both loud and visible, but they do it in completely different ways. Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban. They do. And I don't know what the rest of the world thinks of these two owners, but I'd rather them be the way they are than, like, I can't really name another owner of another football team, honestly. I, I mean, I just, it's because I'm sure there's other owners out there that do, do similar radio shows and stuff like that and like they do in Dallas, but I've listened to them on the radio on those two stations you mentioned uh, hundreds of times, and they're just, I love hearing them be regular, just just, just regular dudes. You know, they'll talk serious sports with them, mm-hmm. but then when they want to joke joke around with them, they're just like, you know, any other station. They, they, they'll respond in a joking way. They just, they just And I just have kind of got to know them a little bit as just regular people instead of these billionaires, you know, because sure. they just, they're, they're at least relatable. There's a sense of rea- relatability with them. Yeah, and I think you can be loud and visible as an owner without taking shots because, again, I don't see how that's productive at all. And I, I think I may have overdone it saying that Jerry Jones is taking shots in season. I think that he's away from being overly critical, but he will acknowledge if something's not right. Like what Steve Cohen did, that was flat-out trolling yesterday of the yep. Mets on Twitter and appreciate the call, Joe. I, 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 I maybe was overdoing it a bit with Jerry Jones because he largely is fair when he's making those radio appearances and he's as relatable as a, an Uber uh, oil-based billionaire can be. Uh, so it, it's, I think it's a matter of taste. What I do know is that when it comes to football and what John Mara is saying about taunting, I'm sorry, in my football sensibilities, if you're not out there in a game that demands that you be competitive and have passion and it's kill or be killed, all the things that coaches from the lowest levels want to try and instill in your brain and you're going to get penalized and you're going to be sick and tired of seeing someone flex at someone else, then maybe football's just not for you. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I want to tell you about Greenway Kia West Palm Beach because that is for you. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach is for you if you need a new automobile, if you need a safe automobile, if you need a fuel-efficient automobile, if you need something that is going to get your family to and from, and if you need to get the best financing available. Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Uh, If your credit sucks, it's okay. They're going to help you handle that. They are going to work until they get you to a point that you can have comfortable financing. They're looking out for you. They're working for you. It is rare in this world when someone has your back. They have your back. They want you to keep coming back. They want you to be a forever customer. And that's why I deal with Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Military Trail, half mile south of Palm Beach International Airport in West Palm Beach. Uh, Beautiful showroom, outstanding selection in my Kia K5 GT. I love that car. Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Go to GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com and check out that selection. Real quick, Mike is in West Palm. Mike, you're on Ken Levicka Live. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. Yeah, I'm just figuring out, you know, I don't know what happened, why all of a sudden football got soft. I mean, I understand the taunting. As long as they took the head cut off, is out, that's fine. Yeah, like the, 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 the throat slash. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't... It, yeah, like, the pro- it, 
I can understand if, you know, if guys are coming up and like standing on guys' chests or, or doing something like that, that's extreme. Fine. Yeah, that's not a good and message. Yeah, but if we're if we're battling one on one, and I fight off a block, or if I pancake someone, if I make a big hit, <laughs> and in this sport, yeah, me doing that is hilarious. Coquel finds that visual hilarious. <laughs> but if I do that and I beat you one on one, I'm flexing in your damn face, man. Like that's how football that's works. Right. I'm sorry. You got me. That I gotta come back better than this one to get you. That, yeah. That's, I don't know what happened to the good old football players, but. Yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a physical sport that demands physical reactions when you do something well. We got to take a break. When we return, uh, a quick tip in what not to do in broadcasting. And no, not the first forty-five minutes of this show that we could use that in, as an example. <laughs> but what not to do in broadcasting? He's Coquel and COVID quarantine. Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive. Call the show now at 888-760-3776. Here's Ken and Coquel. Ken and Coquel like putting things in number order. Order, order, order. Five, four, three, two, one. It's time for the Electrical Standings. All right, Electrical Standings are back today. The top five movies not starring Robert De Niro. Five through one, the best movies not starring Robert De Niro. Coquel, go. Number five, Wedding Crashers. Number four, Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> Number three, Backdraft. <laughs> number two, Swingers. And number one, the Outsiders. Five through one. Best movies not starring Robert De Niro. Number five, Ghostbusters 2. Mm. Number four, Forrest Gump. Number three, Casablanca. Number two, Home Alone. And number one, Ghostbusters. Five through one. Best movies not starring Robert De Niro. Those are your electrical standings for this Wednesday. Uh, Coquel, I don't know if you uh, you caught this last night, but uh, COVID. In, no, well, no, oh. you've had COVID for quite a while. You oh. had COVID. You caught COVID like probably what two weeks ago at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when I'm free. Bothering you guys during the break. Yeah, yeah. Conflicting uh, reports of when I can leave my quarantine. <laughs> Shocking, conflicting things surrounding COVID. You don't say. Uh, so. Last night, the Tigers were taking on the Angels, okay? And Jack Morris is the analyst for Tigers baseball on Bally's Detroit. I want you to listen to this discussion about Shohei Otani. Again, this is the Tigers broadcast last night. Now what do you do with Shohei Otani? Be very, better careful. Oh, boy. Let's hear that one more time in case you missed it. That is Jack Morris attempting a very offensive Asian accent. Now what do you do with Shohei Otani? Be very, better careful. Uh, man. So, let's hear it one more time. Here's the shot. Now what do you do with Shohei Otani? Be very, better careful. So then they went to commercial and Coquel. Here is the predictable chaser. Well, folks, uh, 
Shohei Otani is coming to the plate, and uh, it's been brought to my attention, and I sincerely apologize if I offended anybody, especially anybody in the huh? Asian community, for what I said about pitching and being careful to uh, Jose or Shohei Otani. I did not intend for any offensive thing, and I apologize if I did. Certainly respect and have the utmost respect for this guy. And uh, don't blame a pitcher for walking. So, well, at least he doesn't blame a pitcher for walking. I mean, <laughs> right. That's what's important. That was such a uh, that was such a weird apology. Uh, he didn't really apologize for anything he did. Uh, I've got the utmost respect for the guy. I didn't mean to do anything offensive. No, you you consciously did a terrible Asian accent. You yeah. definitely were trying to do something offensive. I think it's more of. He didn't know it was offensive. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like he's old uh, and people used to talk like, and I'm not excusing it in any way, no. but the, the apology should be, I'm old and dumb and I now know that that is offensive and I am sincerely sorry for what I did. Not I'm not sorry that you're offended. I'm sincerely sorry for what I did and I would uh, never do it again. Man, it was so funny. It, so when I found this on social media, the way it was mixed, it went from the Asian accent and it cut right into the apology. It was just perfect because you knew. You knew as soon as you heard it, well, there's going to be an apology in the next five minutes. And sure enough, there it was. Here's my, and I'm not the the greatest broadcaster in the world. I mean, those of you who You're hear us good. most days, you know that I'm not great. Coquel and I. Play by play, you're great. Thanks. I'm yeah, this you. show, we're not so good. Not and so we embrace much. that, okay? We understand that. Uh, but but here's here is I've been doing this for for quite a long time, and I know enough to know that, folks, if you're trying to make it in the the broadcast world and really in 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 society, if you if you think that you need to unleash an Asian accent and you're not Asian, here's my advice to you: just don't do it. Just just stay away. Okay. If you think you need to pull your eyes into something slanty, don't do that. Okay? Like, just, this is my friendly advice to you. Am I out of line here, Coquel? No, I think it's great advice. Now I'm worried because I try to do my British accent sometimes. Is that offensive? No. Maybe just accents in general should just stop. Like, yeah, just maybe accents normal. in general should, should probably stop. But I also feel like, actually, uh, it, there is a sense of entertainment that comes with bad British accents. Okay? Uh, so that, that, to me, British accents, bad British accents, that's okay. Asian accents... Not so much. Not so good. Old timey black accents. Let's leave those oh there too. Oh my god! Please, yeah, that is because you hear those every now and then. Yeah. And it's like, come on. Yeah, go go ahead and shelve that. You know what actually is funny though is hearing a white person around black people start to try to talk oh, like black it's people. The worst. It's the worst. <laughs> oh man, I had so there was a guy and he's going to remain nameless. But when I covered the Dolphins, he covered the Dolphins as well, and anytime he would be in a media scrum with a black player, he would start to, like, devolve into that that black accent into, to a point where he would try and throw out slang, and I'm like, bro, don't do that, man. The, the best is when they do it, because I've heard people do that to my wife, <laughs> oh, man, and they'll be so like, funny. girl! And my, and my wife just looks at him like, I don't talk like that. Oh, <laughs> what are you man. doing? My oh. wife being black to explain it to people who don't know that, but, like, that 
that that fake accent when you try to change oh, to fit the people you're around, not great. It it makes me uncomfortable just talking about it. And it's hilarious. White people around black people who try to start talking like black people. Like that's a whole they're just getting comfortable thing, right? Like that's where that and not comes even like from. They're trying to they try to talk in a slang way. So it's not even like it's almost <laughs> insulting to say they try to talk like black people. It's like they just try to they assume that the black person speaks in in that way. It's 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 all bad. Oh, white people are so hilarious. Um, I want to give a lot of credit to De'Eric King, the Miami Hurricanes quarterback. I'm going to play you two different cuts. Uh, De'Eric King is a credit to the University of Miami. He is a college football treasure, and this is an example of why. I'm going to play two cuts here. This is first. Uh, De'Eric King yesterday was on uh, Stephen A's World on ESPN+. And Stephen A did the thing where he's trying to pull bulletin board material out of De'Eric King for the opener against Alabama. Let's take a listen to this. So where do you fear y'all will finish the season? My last question to you. What kind of season are you expecting? Where do you think y'all will finish? I'm a very confident guy. I think we're going to finish number one. You know, I'm never going to say we're going to lose anybody. I'm super confident and I'm confident in my teammates. Well, that means if you're number one, you like if you're saying we can finish the season number one, that means you're confident that you can start off the season knocking off the number one team in the nation, the reigning champions. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a competitor. You know what I mean? I'm not going to ever go out there and say we're going to lose this game or that game. So, um, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to playing those guys. It's, it's a great task. One of the best teams of you know, my lifetime of the last decade. So, I'm excited to play those guys. That's so good. That's so mature. He didn't fall into the trap. I mean, as someone who sat down with Derek King recently at ACC Media Days, he's, he's a very intelligent kid. He's not going to fall for that. And then this is him yesterday with local reporters after Kane's practice. Starting with Alabama, mm-hmm. what's your thought about that? Is it, is it a dream come true or a nightmare? Uh, <laughs> neither. I don't look into that. Like I said, I just come and I play football. This is what I do. But no, I play ball. Yeah, but- I'm ready for the big games and all that, but... It's no stress. Defending national champion, anything, you know, you've watched them on tape. What do you see? We're preparing for them, that's all. That's all I can say. You know, we're going hard every day, preparing just like they are. We're preparing too. I mean, they're just trying to goad him and goad him and goad him into saying something that they can go back to Nick Saban with, and he won't give it to him. De'Eric King is not only on the field ready, he's off the field ready for the NFL. That was so impressive from him yesterday. I mean, major props. That was awesome. I was so proud of the kid. That was yeah. He's like I said, he's a really bright guy, and for him to take that second one, what did you see on film? I almost wish he started talking about like techniques of the defensive tackles just because you like want to know what i saw on film this is what i saw on yeah film. yeah like, what are you trying to do it was just it, it was so he is so mature there's a reason that all of these businesses want him as part of the name image and likeness because the guy just gets it he's King, also uh, he's also really smart in the fact that he's cashing in because yeah he, he's not tall at all yeah like, at all he's smaller than he's listed when you see him in person and he's not an nfl prospect but he's a really damn good college prospects so cash in now he's the type of guy though that you, you just by hearing him you think that he might be able to and based on his skill set he could find a way to do something in the nfl right well, kyler if, murray kyler murray made it and he's not very tall either so yeah yeah exactly but Kane's fans do not take the eric king for granted because he is a damned treasure uh i, I want to tell you about uh, something that also is a damned treasure and that is having functioning air conditioning. Poor Coquel has been in his garage for the last 10, 11 days now with COVID, and 
Is it safe to say, Coquel, not exactly cool in there most of the time? It's hot. Yeah, it is hot. And that's where EDS air conditioning comes in. Coquel's getting a taste of it, getting COVID here in the hottest of the summer months. And this is his reality right now. He has, he's in a garage. It's not, it's not really well air conditioned. And it's similar to what you experience if your air conditioning goes out in your home or in your condo, in your unit, especially this time of year. It gets urgent. It gets downright dangerous. There's a safety hazard involved. And you need an air conditioning plan. And that's where EDS air conditioning comes in. Because EDS is, yes, If your AC goes down, don't panic. All you have to remember, commit this to memory. Say it with me now. EDS is yes. EDS is yes. EDS air conditioning. They've been doing it since 2006. They're family owned and operated. Their staff, they are trustworthy and they use the best equipment, train equipment. They're a train comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. Uh, What they're going to do is they're going to take your call or they're going to take your online request and they are going to contact you and they are going to try and work around your schedule they don't want to take you hostage like other air conditioning companies are going to do they want to make sure that they're trying to work around you because they know that you have a life to live but you also need to make sure that your home is cooled and there is a lot of urgency that goes into south florida having your ac go down eds air conditioning They service Palm Beach County. They service South Florida. They're up into the Treasure Coast, and they're looking out for you. Again, and I talked about it earlier, I like to associate myself with people that are looking out for you. EDS Air Conditioning is looking out for you. EDS Air Conditioning, edsairconditioning.com. EDS is yes. They handle your plumbing needs as well. That's EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is yes, edsairconditioning.com. Coquel, before we go, I did need to to just sort of – uh, open up a little bit here. I sent my oldest daughter off to kindergarten today, Aww. and I thought I was going to be okay with it. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. This had nothing to do with sports crying. This was like real life crying, uh, like when uh, that, that, that actually matters, that actually means something. Thought I was going to be prepared for it. And man, as soon as I saw her walk into the building, like I wasn't sobbing, like, <laughs> but I definitely like teared up that was that was emotional man i did not see that coming at all because connor's in vpk now because he's a day late he's born september 2nd so he couldn't start kindergarten um yeah i don't think i'm gonna cry though why are you crying i didn't think i was gonna cry either hasn't she been going to daycare this whole time yeah but this is different like this is like she's going into a classroom now and she's got like a desk and it's a whole thing and i i used to be i could walk her into daycare i'm not allowed to walk her into kindergarten like she walks through that door and like that's it there's a sense of finality to it like that's a big leap and it was it was dramatic for me not traumatic but dramatic what are you gonna do in a couple years when i set her up with connor my son. Well, I just hope that he's very little like you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just want to put that out there right now. I think we're off to a good start, but I'm going to need to see a bigger sample size. I mean, okay? is that incest, though? Because we're kind of in a relationship right now. It'd be a little weird. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, that's true. We are radio life partners. I'm not sure how that works. You know what, though? We'll be trailblazers. We'll be open-minded and progressive, okay? Uh, Coquel is going to attempt to get himself a negative test so he can leave COVID quarantine. He is feeling better. That's good. When Coquel is going to leave quarantine, I don't have a damned idea. Until will, then. Will I tell the bosses what I do? Ooh. No commute. <laughs> you suck. I, I need Coquel back in this studio. It, Rigotti and I are lonely. We'll see what we can do with Coquel. But regardless, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. He's Joe Rigotti for Coquel. I'm Ken Levick, and we've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.